0: Live Hackers, the new season of Happiness Patterns is out! Yay! We have big plans for this one. We have amazing guests. Today we meet with one and only Mr. James Naster. So who is he? Before I explain this to you, I would like to share... A little bit about a passion of mine that i have only discovered this year so this april i was lucky to get on a workshop with the current world champion in freediving alexey molchanov and i discovered that when i dive only with one breath of air when i freedive even when it happens in the swimming pool and the depth is around 6 meters I get into a very special state of mind, of my consciousness something is shifting, something is changing and during this course we were experimenting in the swimming pool and just when I came out of water I spontaneously started singing and my mind went to, into a very quiet, silent, deep, I would say even meditative state of mind. So for your record, Alexey Molchanov goes 130 meters deep. It's a very different place to be at. James Nestor wrote an amazing book called Deep freediving, renegade science, and what the ocean tells us about ourselves. In this book he follows groups of freedivers that explore the ocean, explore whales, sharks, experiment with their bodies, earn a living. I love the book and I strongly advise it just to everyone. It became BBC book of the week a finalist for the pan-american center best sports book of the year amazon best science book of 2014 so it's got many awards and it's an amazing book i just want to repeat it again so that you do read it or listen to it as i did in my case i've discovered more about the ocean about whales about what is happening down there where Where we usually never go. It's a fascinating book. And it's a book about us. James explores a so-called master clique. It turned out that every time when we go into water, even when we just splash our faces with cold water, something is changing, something is clicking. And the thing is that, can you imagine, if Alexei Molchanov goes... 130 meters down with only one breath not as a diver but as a free diver and his body actually does the same and the body of each one of us does the same as do the bodies of whales and dolphins doesn't it tell you something doesn't it just Push this idea into your mind. What else don't you know about yourself? Please meet Mr. James Nestor after the intro. Patterns of happiness are frameworks that always work. They are tools and practices that will bring permanent change to your life for better. We're not looking for temporary solutions. We change and transform. We practice what we preach and we're going to share it with you here. Be careful because you can become seriously happier today.
1: How are you? i'm doing well how are you uh i my wife and i have a little um cabin up in the sierras so um i'm up there right now so away from san francisco that's where you know i usually live but i'm just up here for the summer for finishing a new book so i'm just grinding away
2: thank you for finding time to talk to me
1: sure my my pleasure i'm i'm happy to
2: i uh... Want to first say that I, I just loved your book and I'm not trying to flatter you, <laughs> I just really loved it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> for me, it was like reading a science fiction story or a detective story. I was really on the verge, on my tiptoes, just waiting what's going to happen next in the sea. Actually, a little even afraid for what's happening. And from going to happen with you there, especially <laughs> when you were deep diving with the whales.
1: Yeah, I was afraid as, as well. So I'm glad you picked up on that. So it was definitely a journey for me to, to write that book and, and research it. Um, so I'm glad that came through.
2: Can you please share, where are you now with your freediving experiences? Do you continue the practices with everything
1: yeah i I dive as much as I possibly can, which hasn't been that much lately, honestly, the last couple of years because I've been in the middle of a deadline for a new book um and so I've been basically chained to a desk in a you know in an office, uh, just trying to finish that up and this new book is not about the ocean, so I didn't have the opportunity to go out and research um, at sea for for six months, you know, like I did with deep so um, whenever I go somewhere, um, whenever I'm given the opportunity to be near the ocean, I'm definitely diving. It's something that I, you know, I'm i not just going to pick up and, and throw away after the book was done. Uh, it's definitely a part of my life, and, uh, and I love it. I love it even more now than I did before.
2: Uh, so you don't uh, do any practices at home with breath retentions as well? or yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about your routine.
1: Yeah. Uh I do actually because the, the the new book is um focused around breathing. Um that's a very general way of describing it, but uh I'm constantly focusing on my breathing, uh including a lot of breath retention, a lot of CO2 tolerance exercises. So it's it's something that I'm just constantly doing and I know that that's going to help me Whenever I dive next, too, right? Um, it's all about the CO two tolerance, uh, increasing that and and being able to dive deeper for longer. So, so yeah, it's uh, breathing is is just what I do, and it's what I've been researching the last few years.
2: Can I ask you a couple of questions about your next book, or is it? not allowed by mm-hmm. the agreement with Penguins. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, curious. no, I'm,
1: I'm happy, I'm happy to talk about it, uh, for sure. I was literally just working working on it uh, a few minutes ago before I called up here, So, so I'm happy to talk about it.
2: Because to me, there is an obvious connection between the deep and the book about breathing, because you actually dive on one breath, so it looked as if maybe one came from another.
1: Yeah. And that's usually how books work in this strange way. And that's how articles, a lot of articles work. (laughs) Oh, it's so related. Um, you know, when I was learning how to free dive when I was learning about free diving from all of these, these amazing divers, I kept wondering, I said, well, we know the advantages of breath holding and controlling your breath underwater, right? You, you can dive deeper, you can dive for longer, you can calm yourself, but, I kept wondering what were those advantages on land? Um, What advantages could holding your breath, could really controlling your breath, have in day-to-day life for people who weren't diving? Um, And I, I thought, oh, this could be an interesting subject. And the deeper and deeper I went into it, the weirder and weirder it got. Basically, what I discovered was that humans have essentially lost the ability to breathe correctly and that is one of the reasons we have so many of these chronic problems these chronic diseases um, is because of breathing and it's related to facial structure and um, uh, industrial uh, foods and how this has impacted us in our throats and our sinuses uh, was fascinating so the book is um you know the short version is it's about a million year-long history into how we've lost the ability to breathe properly and how to get that back and this isn't my theory by the way um these are i as a journalist you go out and you research leaders in the field and people who are doing really interesting research and so i was able to find people at, at Harvard and Stanford and University of Washington and on and on who had been doing this research for years and years. So that's that's the general version of what the book is about. So it's still all, all tied to breathing, not just taking really deep breaths for diving, but all different kinds of, of breathing techniques and how to restore that.
2: I'm really looking forward to it because uh, for me, breathing is... A great way to explore myself in 2006 when I was in deep, deep, deep depression, which is a kind of a weird thing <laughs> to say about mm-hmm. the guy who is around 21. But uh, the first thing I tried is uh, colotropic breathing with Stanislav Grof, no, not exactly with mm-hmm. him, but with one of his uh, students. It was my first experience of actually feeling that the room and the colors and the sounds become much brighter and much sharper so i realized that breathing actually led to a very interesting state of mind where i'm more grounded and more present so so yeah i'm actually yeah. feeling for what you're doing right now i uh, i interviewed stan
1: and um i um did holotropic breath work uh, i studied its effects in a laboratory I looked at oxygen consumption in the brain after 15 minutes of breathing that way and how that fluctuates with, with pH. So I, I, you know, this is exactly what, what the book is about. The, the rough title, I don't know if this is the title that we're going to keep is fast, slow, and not at all the lost history in, 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 art of breathing. Um, because it, it, what we've learned is that breathing fast, we've always associated it with hyperventilation as a, as a bad thing because you don't want to hyperventilate and not holding, not breathing at all, holding your breath. We associate with, with sleep apnea, which is a very bad thing, but all of those things are unconscious. So when you consciously will your body to breathe in certain ways, you can gain control of your immune function. You can gain control of your autonomic nervous system. um, You can gain control of your, of your thoughts and how you feel. So it's really the, by far the best way to hack into your your body and mind and to trigger different feelings um, and and to help heal yourself of of so many symptoms.
2: Whoa, (laughs) I'm actually excited. I'm really excited (laughs) to hear all of this because somehow like my past experience seems to overlap with what you're doing right now. So I'm really excited to learn what you discovered in the process of your journey. Uh, One of the things I loved about The Deep is that you actually went deep yourself. You weren't reading and collecting articles together and just rethinking what was written before. You actually practiced.
1: You know, one of the great things about this job there's many bad things about being a journalist nowadays (laughs) i could give you a long laundry list of a of a billion bad things but one of the great things is it allows you to really immerse yourself in a subject and um to go out in the field and meet interesting people to do interesting things and to have that be a part of your work so I take that opportunity every time I can to to go out and travel and learn new things from the people in the field. Um, I get really frustrated when I'm reading books where everything is reported from a desk or from phone calls because you, you can learn so much more by being present in an environment. And it's also about the subject that you're writing about. I really think that if you're going to write, write about it, you need to write about it from the inside and through those experiences. So um, I was pretty nervous about freediving after having seen what happened at the world championships um, and talking to a lot of people, but it was all in context. You, you really need to get with the right community. And luckily I, I found that with Fred Boyle and Hanley Prinsloo and people who understood freediving in a very different way than just the competitive diving.
2: About just about a month ago, maybe even less than that, I went to Ibiza, to the place mm-hmm. where, um, I, I went there with Alexei Molchanov, who is the mm-hmm. current world, world, champ, mm-hmm. world champion. And actually his mother, whom mm-hmm. I think you knew because you, you, you mm-hmm. were at this world championship in 2012, she actually disappeared on Ibiza. So it was a kind of a very special experience in the sense that we we're in the place where it all happened. Mm-hmm. and um we were near this uh mystical mountain where they say that the compass moves in a crazy way and that sometimes mm-hmm. people disappear over there so i was diving there and at the same time i felt seasick just in the water which was mm-hmm. crazy because i was seasick not in the boat but in the water and i just couldn't get anywhere just being mm-hmm. in the state and I went through all of those experiences uh, you shared in the book. I had this expensive gear that I purchased. I had this great fins. I had this great wetsuit. But I couldn't go deeper than three meters with mm. my head down.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that to me is what freediving is. It's sometimes your body is allowing you and, and is willing to go along with this trip and to dive deep and to stay down there long. And then the next day, your body doesn't want to do it and and I think it's so essential to listen to your body and not listen to your watch or listen to the record you want to break but to listen to your body and and to go as deep as you feel you could go while you're still enjoying it and just to be clear is people are going to compete with everything I've no problem with competitions and and, you know, I have no problem with competitive freedivers who want to do this, um, you know, and and see how deep they can go to push human potential to new levels. That's all great. But what I tried to communicate in the book was that there is this completely different side of freediving that nobody hears about. The only freediving we hear about in the U.S. is when someone dies at a competition that no one ever talks about. The millions of other free divers who are doing this in a nurturing way, who were entering the water, you know, respectfully and respecting their limits. And that community and that culture I thought was so much more interesting. Like the AMA divers in Japan or um, you know Hanley Prinsley, what what she's doing, or the the Bayou in, in Indonesia. So so you know what you experience there is what you should experience. You shouldn't obviously have tried to push yourself past a depth you were comfortable in but your body was just telling you that it didn't want to go down there so so uh it seems like a uh, a very uh basic you know um uh, thing that we've developed to to know what's dangerous and what's not and and to to mess with that too much i don't think could be a good idea so so yeah he's i know I know him as a diver and and I had talked to his mom and uh and they're amazing what what they've done how how deep they've been able to go i mean they're they're the top but I just think that that other side of free diving needs to be talked about more and more people need to learn about that
2: on your journey to get better at equalizing equalization, what was the moment when you had a breakthrough what helped you finally because i re- I remember you went to amos and you actually mm-hmm. haven't learned anything specifically mm-hmm. uh
1: it was mostly practice you know i did a skype session with ted hardy who's a real badass in the freediving community and really knows his stuff and he showed me the Valsalva, the method of 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 equalizing and that was really helpful but i found the most helpful thing was just doing it over and over and over and over again in a relaxed way not being forced not having someone yell at you but just to figure it out you know just like most things in life um it just comes through through practice and through relaxation and getting comfortable with it so it was uh, there's a pool near my house in san francisco that i used to go to um and it's about what three meters, four four meters deep. So I would just take a deep breath and go up and down and up and down and and um, just practice uh, equalizing over and over. And I figured it out. Um, and now I can equalize very quickly. And I, it's kind of like that thing about riding a bicycle. Once once you do it, um, you can you can do it uh, pretty consistently. You know, as long as you don't have sinus problems or whatever. So. So, you, you know, training's important, but, but practice is even more important.
2: <laughs> because I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. Practice, yeah. Um, if, if you know the basics,
1: like, you don't have to get in to the Frenzel Valsalva stuff yet. You can you can just practice, you know, going down to, to four meters, five meters, six meters, um, and just coming back up and doing it over and over. It's just about adapting your body to doing this if it's not something you do too often. And you know, it sounds like you don't live near the water, so um, it'll probably be a little little harder for you to, to, to do that. Just just like me, San Francisco is pretty good for surfing, but it's awful for free diving. So I only really free dive when I go somewhere else. So I don't do it too, too often. And you know, if you live near, near warm turquoise waters, you would have it down. So just just practice and patience, I think, is an important part of it.
2: About the whales, um, Mm -hmm. I have checked up the news today and I found out that Japan left uh, the Whale Protection Association and they have started hunting for whales again on the 1st of July. Um, Yeah which is a sad thing but i wanted to ask about your experience with whales and whether it's something you're le- le- looking for in the future
1: oh it's something i think about all the time and it's something that i've been plotting about returning to and and doing over and over and over again so i feel i just got a taste of what that experience could be like of what that connection could be like with this huge awesome intelligent creature so um you know we're working i'm working with uh david gruber and and many other people he's a pretty well-known marine biologist and we're working on a on a very large um long initiative to actually try to figure out whale communication and we've been working on that for a couple of years and we'll have likely have some announcements in the next few months. I can't talk about that too much right now, but um, basically what we're trying to do is to use new technologies, machine learning and AI to look at whale communication, um, humpback, uh, sperm whales, because we know these animals are communicating in very sophisticated ways. We just don't know what what they're saying yet. And, and I think it's important to, um, try to use new technologies, which nobody has really done yet to peer into their language before they're all gone. Regarding Japan, yeah, it's so pathetic um, that they would do that. And no one really knows why they're doing it because the meat in in Wales is so toxic. Nobody wants it. It's so filled with mercury. So it's extremely unhealthy to begin with. So they're not doing it for meat. I don't know why they're doing it. Um, And it's just, especially at this time, it's just devastating that, countries would still consider that, that whaling is, is okay. I mean, these, these animals are going to be gone from the planet and they have, some of them have the, the largest brains ever to have known to have existed, you know, six times the size of ours and, and they're just gonna be gone. So yeah, I have no, no real response to that other than, you know, what the hell <laughs> I, I think it's so sad. It's so, so narrow minded and sad and, and gross, but um, hopefully, They'll change course soon. Who knows? Um, we'll see what happens.
2: The, the whole book is uh, is grounded in facts. I mean, all the mm-hmm. facts that you checked. I'm wondering whether there is an esoteric or mythical part that you uh, skipped out, that you left out for the sake mm-hmm. of making it uh, really grounded and scientifically proved.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, whenever you write a book, you throw out about ninety five percent of what you've written and researched. So people don't realize that, but but most writers, that's what they do, and that's certainly what I do. So I've got you know a whole hard drive filled with research that <laughs> might never see the the light of day. But that's just the process, right? You you want to pick out the stuff that will resonate the most with, with readers and that contributes to the storyline to make it feel like a book and not just a bunch of facts. So, you know, I, I just didn't want to want the book to be too much about me or my opinions or or my view. I hate when authors become too obsessed with themselves and the book starts reading like a memoir because there's much more important things Happening in that book, the other people are much more interesting than I am. Um, you know, I just wanted to put myself in the book just enough so that the reader could be taken along and and seen this world from from the inside, and then to take myself out. You know, whenever I I sounded like I was. Uh, being too solipsistic or or ever risking sounding self absorbed or whatever um, so to, to answer your question, um, you know I had a bunch of really powerful experiences while I was researching that that book, both both with wildlife. There was a whole chapter. Uh, a whole different chapter on dolphins that was cut from the book entirely, um, where I was, you know, face to face with dolphins for hours a day. And there was definitely some communication going on there. Um, and there were other experiences with, with whales that I had. Um, but again, I didn't want to get, I didn't want it to be too much like some new agey memoir. Um, so, so I cut that stuff out, but obviously this stuff, resonated with me because you know years and years later here i am still still thinking about it and just yesterday i was talking to a guy about going and diving with with humpbacks in, in hawaii in the next few months so so it's something i think about all the time and i can't wait to to go back and relive those experiences perhaps in a in a miniseries or a tv show and there's been some talk about that but we'll see what happens
2: this was another question i wanted to ask you whether hmm. you- Plan to publish those unpublished articles and parts of the book anywhere?
1: Well, um, probably not. Um, I because that's just how it how it goes with books. You know, you you just end up throwing out so much of it. But there has been talk, and now it's it's starting to get a little more serious about turning this book or at least some of the subject matters into, uh, into a mini series, um, not just focused on deep, but focused on a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I can't tell you how much fun that would be for me because I'd be able to go and relive all the stuff without doing all the, all the research work because, <laughs> cause I already did it. Um, you know, it'd just be the fun stuff of going out in the field and, meeting these people again and diving deeper into this subject. Um, and uh, especially after the last couple of years, uh, writing books is, is, I don't want to sound too precious, but it's hard work. It's its just you alone in a room for a few years. Um, and so I'm looking forward to getting back into the world and getting back into the water and, and interacting with people a little more.
2: Alexei Molchanov, no he makes these tours and he swims with uh, whales in tonga tonga T- tonga's fan- fantastic
1: I-, I know a few people who lead tours out there um kareem uh Ilya, uh who i just had coffee with uh yesterday actually leads tours he spends about three months uh, a year out there it's starting to get a little crowded in tonga too many boats too many people and that's not really my my scene um, I much prefer, and I think it stresses the whales out, and I would never want to do that to these animals, so we're looking at some much more remote spots where there will be no one else around, and um, we'll be able to just sort of commune and, and research these animals um, a little more in peace, but having said that, Tonga, yes, is, is the most accessible by far, and I know people who have gone out there and had just incredible experiences with humpbacks
2: thank you for sharing i i i really value everything you say Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because it feels like you double check all the facts and you check everything yourself so i have absolute trust in what you were saying (laughs) oh my
1: my pleasure no i'm uh, i it's so fun for me to to go back and and talk about these experiences like i said um this was one book that i after researching it, I, I didn't just throw away everything and move on. It's it's definitely stuck with me. And I still know all the people in the book. And uh, I look forward to repeating a lot of those experiences uh, in the near future. The whole point of trying to contact whales and understand their language isn't about human egos. It's about trying to help these animals, right? It's, it's ultimately about conservation so people can't whale anymore. And that's, That's what I want to focus on, not the other, you know, human logistics.
2: The ultimate question about whales, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Is it safe to swim with them or is it not? Because in the last chapter of the book, I mean, closer to the end of the book, you share how the bulls, the boys, (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. whales can actually do some harm with the clique. Can you please share what you're saying about this whole thing?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, this is what has really mystified me about these animals. They can grow 20 meters long. They have eight inch long teeth. They can kill you in a hundred different ways instantly. They can kill you with their clicks. They could eat you. They could hit you with their flukes. Like there, there's a zillion different ways that they could kill you. So obviously, if you're getting in the water with them within a few seconds, they could kill you and they, they choose not to. And why, why, you know, after what we've done to them, after, you know, how we've completely annihilated them almost from the face of the earth, that that they have chosen to to come to us in peace and hang out and commune with us. Um, Having said that, I think it's absolutely dangerous to dive with whales. Um, and if people, people okay. say it's, if people say it's not, they're deluding themselves. Any number of things could happen at any time. And it just depends on your the level of, of risk you, you want to take. For me, this sounds a little new agey and wishy-washy, but I get in the water and I immediately sense how I feel about the situation. Um, I'll look at the whales and see if they're, Moving aggressively, see if they're moving calmly, um, see how they approach, and and take it from there. So uh, you know, I'm sure the more and more people who dive with whales, something's going to happen, and it's it's happened before. Uh, there was a story about someone that was trying to untangle a humpback from a net out in Hawaii a couple of years ago who who died during it so so these are extremely powerful huge animals um and you just have to use common sense if you get in the water with them you know dolphins are too dolphins are <laughs> 400 pounds like so they're they're extremely strong and they could kill you uh, very easily so that's that's the question that i think everyone needs to be asking themselves after what we've done to these animals why do they still approach us in peace and hang out and pepper us with their communication clicks and whistles trying to reach out? You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's something going on there. And uh, I think it's pretty special. I can't wait to research it a little more.
2: <laughs> James, so there were days when you got into water and you felt that something was happening with the whales, that they were a little more aggressive, for example, and you just got, got out of water. Did it happen to you?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, when they're, when they're hunting, they're hunting or they're mating, they've got work to do. It would be like you in the middle of doing, doing some work and having a little mosquito come up and, you know, buzz you in the face. Uh, that would be pretty annoying. So there were a, a couple of times when we got in the water where the energy was definitely different. Um, and they came right by us. They turned around, they clicked pretty aggressively. And there was just a, they didn't want to hang out, you know? And I think whenever you're diving with with these animals or, or interacting with wildlife at all, it has to be on the animal's terms. It's not your terms, like, oh, I've got one hour, I'm going to dive with these animals and come back. It's always on their terms. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to get in trouble.
2: Actually, the reason why I got into free diving is because a couple of years ago when I was in Cyprus, I've met uh, someone who was diving with whales and she showed me pictures and Mm. she hasn't said much, but she shared her experience and I felt immediately that that's something I want to experience. And then Uh. just this year I have finally discovered what freediving is and I just realized that when I'm in water and uh, when I retain breath for like 50 meters, something is happening with me. I'm starting to sing spontaneously. I'm getting in a very different kind of mood. So I started exploring the other side of freediving.
1: Yeah, and, that's, and freediving is such a wonderful tool for communing with animals. Um, and that to me is, it's a great tool to learn about your own body and learn about your relationship with the water and with the ocean, but it's also a really, really powerful tool to use to to interact with animals because you're silent and you're just like they are and they recognize that. You don't have a scuba tank on, you're not blowing bubbles, you're exactly the way other marine animals are. You go up to the surface, take a breath, and come back down. There's a zillion videos on YouTube showing people interacting with whales in that way going up to the surface and then the whales will mirror them, go up to the surface with them and come back down and turn around and come back. So, uh, you know, it's, it's such a powerful experience to to be with these animals so close in the water. And it's, it's something everyone I know that has had that experience will never, ever forget it. And they think about it all the time and it really changes their outlook on on life and their place on this planet, which I think we need more now, more, more than ever, you know, and stop focusing on all this political garbage and and start looking at at the larger issues here on, on this planet. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that if if that's your mission and that's what you want to do, you're going about it in the right way, learn how to free dive. And then, um, there's various ways you can, and, and various trips you can, sign up on and and go and have these experiences the only recommendation i would have is make sure you're going with a guide who is experienced and is not just doing it for the money but is out there because they really love these animals and they want to share that experience otherwise um you know i i I think it'll have a very different feel to it that whole trip will
2: james how did ocean change you i mean you started writing the book And you went on such a long journey. I mean, diving deep, spending time on the planes, spending time Mm -hmm. on the boats, just everywhere. Have you noticed any change after you did all the job?
1: Well, I've been, I mean, the ocean is constantly changing me. I grew up close to the ocean. So some of my earliest memories are of being in, the sea you know and and swimming and surfing and body surfing and snorkeling and it 's just something I've always love to do and it 's great that you never really outgrow that it just gets even more deepened as as you get older and older that need to be by the ocean and in the ocean, so this experience was an extension of something that was already within me that I already knew peripherally, but it allowed me, you know, in the year, I guess I spent about a year and a half researching and writing deep. So, um, it allowed me to just do it full time. It was the only thing I was thinking about was the ocean and free diving. It was the only thing I was researching. The only thing I was writing about. Um, and it's great to be so immersed in something like that. Um, and it's great to be writing about a subject you're so passionate about. I couldn't imagine spending that amount of time writing about something you didn't really care about, you know? Um, and, and so that's, that's why it was, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of work, right? It was just like constant, constant work, but it was also so edifying for, for me to be able to, to do that. Um, and it's still, as I was saying, it's, it's, you know, I'm more excited about freediving, getting in the ocean now than I ever was at any time in my life. So it's something that just continues to grow.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stop now. And I just hope that uh, when the new book comes out, you find time to talk to me again about the new book. I'd love to, you
1: know, I'm just finishing it. It's it's a real grind, but I'm I'm in second round edits now. So it will be out in spring of of next year books take a long time to come out um but it will be out in spring of next year and we're just putting it all together now trying to figure out the title and and doing all of that but uh i'd love to talk to you again and um and and good luck with all of your diving and and i foresee in the future you'll be diving with whales and so you'll know exactly what i've been talking about here for the last half hour
2: <laughs> thank you much james and good luck with your book and yeah (laughs) hope to hear and maybe meet you one one day one day fantastic
1: keep breathing and uh, we'll stay in touch thank you
0: did you enjoy this episode please rate us and leave a review on itunes also find us on instagram as happiness patterns we publish there every week we will also be really happy to hear from you has our podcast given you any new ideas maybe brought some changes maybe you want to share something we would love to hear please contact us on instagram or via info at happinesspatterns.com You will hear from us really, really soon. Thank you and bye-bye.